good afternoon from the University of Southern California, and welcome to Annenberg Radio News for Monday, March 9th. I'm Faith Miller. Just released video evidence in the Suge Knight case captures the moment of the rap mogul's hit and run. Matt Lemus has the story. The lawyer for former rap mogul Suge Knight says a video released online today proves that his client was acting out of self-defense. The security footage appears to capture the January incident when Knight hit two men with his truck in a Compton parking lot. The grainy footage shows Knight being approached by several men in the lot, but there is no apparent assault of Knight in the video. Knight's truck is then seen backing up and then driving forward, hitting one man twice and the other once. Knight was originally charged in February for murder and attempted murder in the hit and run, but his attorney says the video proves his client's innocence. Prosecutors have not commented on the new evidence. Matt Lemus, Annenberg Radio News. Midnight Rider director Randall Miller was sentenced to two years in prison today. Miller pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter for the death of Sarah Jones, a camera assistant on the film. Jones was killed by a freight train as she and others were setting up to film on a Georgia railroad. The shoot was unauthorized by the railroad company CSX, and prosecutors laid the blame on the director. Miller's lawyer says he expects his client to serve a year of his sentence. The Los Angeles Municipal Courthouse was evacuated this morning after a suspicious device was found plugged into an external outlet. A bomb squad investigated the downtown building after someone called in to report a bomb threat. Police say no one was injured and the mandatory evacuation was lifted at 11.30. No explosive device was found. A woman died after being fatally shot by Anaheim police last night. Victor Figueroa reports. The 911 call concerning a laundromat stabbing in Anaheim was released today. A laundromat employee can be heard talking to the dispatcher about 43-year-old Monique Janine Deckard stabbing another woman. Okay, it's 926 South Euclid, right? We're going to have the paramedics on their way. Where did she get stabbed? Where where on her body did she get stabbed? Right in her her back. Uh, She's not bleeding or anything, but... Police say Deckard ran into a nearby apartment complex and refused to come out, when officers arrived, she then ran out of the building and charged at the police with two knives. Officers opened fire on the woman. She was later pronounced dead at a local hospital, though the stabbing victim suffered only minor injuries. Victor Figueroa, Annenberg Radio News. The FBI is investigating a hack on a West Hollywood business by a group claiming to be the Islamic terrorist group ISIS. A West Hollywood woman who designs furniture and dog beds was startled yesterday when she opened her website and found the words, Hacked by the Islamic State. We are everywhere. The FBI has been investigating similar hacks across the U.S., but would not comment on specific cases. For those of us struggling to find our phones, Apple may have come up with a solution. Andy Vasoyan has more on the tech giant's entry into wearable computing. Apple CEO Tim Cook unveiled a new smartwatch during a tech conference today in San Francisco. The wearable technology can make and receive calls, track fitness, and can even be programmed to unlock your hotel room. The device works symbiotically with your iPhone via Bluetooth and uses the phone to access a GPS mobile signal. But while there is a lot of excitement around the product, Some USD students are saying, what's the point? I think it's a really cool idea, but I just don't see a need for it. We already only had to pull out a screen out of our pocket to look at the things, you know, now we'd only have to look at our wrist. Is it really worth paying, like, whatever cost the watch is for that little bit of added, like, accessibility, you know? The new watches will be available in the U.S. on April 24th. They cost anywhere from $350 
to $10,000 for an 18-karat gold edition. Apple also showed off its lightest and newest MacBook, as well as HBO Now, its first-ever standalone subscription service. HBO Now will be available in early April, just in time for the season premiere of Game of Thrones. Andy Vasoyan, Annenberg Radio News. Today, President Obama announced a new educational program aimed at getting more Americans into the tech industry. Benjamin Dunn has the story. Enter Tech Hire, a multi-sector initiative to help train Americans in skills like cybersecurity, network administration, and coding. Tech companies like Capital One and Cisco will partner with educational institutions. The goal is to train Americans in these highly sought-after skills in just a few months. It's no secret that high-tech jobs are some of the best-paying and most demanded jobs on the market right now. But the question remains, how can students from tech hire compete with graduates from schools with top tech programs like Carnegie Mellon University or UC Berkeley? RJ Ciccolone is a project manager at Mistress Creative who's worked on multiple startups throughout his career. That's what I want to know. I want to see what you've actually worked on and how you built it um, and what your process was like. It does help to see, you know, um, a Stanford CS degree on there. But if you don't have that, if if we're hiring for an entry-level position, I think that matters less. It matters more about what you've done. To Chikolone, tech hire is a fast way to open tech jobs to those without four-year college degrees. Yeah, I think it is. I think you can do it. I know some of these immersive programs are eight hours a day, sometimes up to six days a week. And and when you're you're studying strictly um, computer science, I think you can get a lot more done. The impacts of tech hire won't be seen for a while, but, but it's a sign that President Obama is acknowledging the tech deficit prevalent in the United States. Benjamin Dunn, Annenberg Radio News. Today, Los Angeles city officials met to discuss the unlawful use of property within a community. J.T. Arose reports. L.A. City Attorney Mike Fuhrer said today that the city and LAPD are targeting two crime-centered properties in Venice and Del Rey. The city has filed nuisance abatement lawsuits against the properties which continuously bring crimes into the neighborhoods. And basically, in a nutshell, what we have in this location as well as others is um, we have a location that has provided historic um, drug sales uh, to to the residents in the location. In the past year, there were 16 drug-related arrests in the Venice property area and six drug-related arrests in six months for the Delray-targeted property. A single property can drag down the quality of life and threaten public safety for an entire neighborhood. Fear says a resident should not have to live near these nuisances, particularly when they're so close to communal areas. The city's attorney's office is currently seeking injunctions against the two property owners to prevent any more drug and criminal activities. Individuals connected to the nuisance properties have also been ordered to stay out of the neighborhoods. J.T. Arose, Annenberg Radio News. New York's attorney general announced a settlement with the country's biggest credit reporting companies. The agreement will increase transparency and should help consumers better understand their credit reports. Giovanni Mujayez has the details. America's largest credit reporting agencies, responsible for over 200 million individuals, will be changing their approach to fixing errors on reports. This is part of the broadest industry overhaul in more than a decade. Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion have struggled to meet the demands of consumers trying to get their credit scores fixed. Under the new agreement reached by New York State's Attorney General, the agencies plan to improve their dispute resolution process by using specially trained employees instead of relying on an automated system. 
The agencies will also no longer be factoring in debt accrued from fines or tickets. Giovanni Mujais, Annenberg Radio News. Two California women are facing charges after allegedly carving their initials into the Colosseum in Rome. The tourists are charged with aggravated damages to a monument. Officials say the Colosseum is a popular site for vandalism because of its crumbling appearance. More than 6 billion tourists visit the Colosseum each year. If you've ever wondered about the origins of curious words and phrases, here's Ben Krause with today's Root Source. You may not take too much time thinking about where the name of your state comes from, so you may not realize that California has centuries-old Spanish origins. The name actually comes from a 16th century Spanish romantic novel titled Las Sergas de Esplendien. In the novel, written by García Ordóñez de Montalvo, the island was thought of as an earthly paradise. And when Spanish explorers arrived in the West in the mid-1530s, they originally thought the Golden State was an island all to itself. The name stuck, and 500 years later, we now live in the great state of California. Ben Krauss, Annenberg Radio News. The history of African Americans playing baseball spans further back than the likes of Jackie Robinson. And that's what the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City, Missouri tries to illustrate. Victor Figueroa spoke with Vice President of Curatorial Services Raymond Doswell on the message of the museum. When people walk into this museum, what are you hoping they take away from the experience? One, that it was bigger than just the one or two players or teams that they knew about before. Two, these players and these team owners and the people who supported them had agency. They chose to play baseball. They chose to support baseball. It wasn't that they were relegated to have to have their own so-called minor or lesser league. They built this themselves. Heck, they didn't have to play baseball. They could have done something else. They chose it, so they built it. And so don't feel sorry for them. This is a moment of empowerment in many respects. Did they want to play in the major leagues? Some of them did, certainly did. Should they have deserved the opportunity to at least try? Sure, but they couldn't, so they did their own thing. And that's empowerment. That's not something that one should feel bad about. Oh, it's just a shame that they didn't get a chance to play with Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig. Well, it's maybe a shame that Gehrig and Ruth didn't get a chance to play with them on a regular basis. That's something I hope people get, and that segregation and racism is a sad circumstance. But here is something that was great that came out of it, and the people built that themselves. Is there a particular story from the museum or in the museum that when people come, you make sure to show them? Uh, We have a photograph in the museum. On the photo is a young man at a train station. No baseball in it. There's no baseball bats. He's at a train station. He's actually standing on the railroad tracks, and he's got his duffel bag next to him. He's a young man, uh, maybe in his late teens, looking a little scared. The sun is in his eyes. He's squinting a little bit. But he looks strong, he looks firm, and he looks like he's ready to go. Uh, And then there's a letter. We have a copy of a letter accompanying it. And there's the two team officials, baseball team officials, who were discussing the recruitment of this young man to be a ball player. Uh, And in the letter, there's a line from uh, one of the scouts, and it says, I do think he will develop into a great player one of these days. 
Well, it turns out that young man went on from Mobile, Alabama to play for a team called the Indianapolis Clowns. That's who was recruiting him. Was a cross-handed hitting shortstop who uh, was quickly scooped up by the Milwaukee Braves system and would go on to play for the Milwaukee Atlanta Braves system and become the all-time home run leader, and that was Henry Aaron. You know, you're sharing all this history. Do you think the players today are thinking about this or at least like consider the steps they were taking? Once they're exposed to it. I, I think your, your average baseball player today, if they don't get a chance to get exposed to the history of the game, they don't really think about it beyond maybe the history of major league ball players when the Latino players come in. And then they're surprised when they see uh, Martin De Higo and uh, Cristobal Torriente and players like that from Cuba and other places that, no, no, oh, I didn't know. You know, and they may have heard of these names in their childhood. And then they're making the connections. So once they get in and they see it, they get it. And then they have a great appreciation for it. But they've got to be exposed to it. So that's why we're here. We do traveling exhibits. And uh, we try to make ourselves available to teach the history. What do you take away from the game of baseball? I know it's a little corny, but it's true. Baseball really does mark the time. And, and everyone says that football is now becoming America's pastime. That's, that's hogwash. Football is, is America's passion of the moment, but baseball continues to be America's pastime. And for me, I enjoy really, truly the the well the balance of teamwork and individual effort. I encourage others to to embrace it, embrace it with your kids, embrace it with your family, and uh, we'll always have something to talk about. One more thing, you called yourself the janitor of the museum. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? Real oh quick? well, I I was kidding. Like I said, my title was vice president of curatorial services, so maybe a better descriptor is I'm the umpire. When you're umpire of the game. If you don't notice the umpire, then uh, everything's going smoothly, then you're doing your job. And so if, if things are going smoothly and no one knows there's anything wrong in the museum or anything like that, then I've done my job. And as soon as I have to step in and be out front, then it's time for me to really go to truly go to work. But I try to keep things running smoothly. That was janitor slash umpire <laughs> slash vice president of uh, curatorial services at the Negro League Baseball Museum, Raymond Doswell. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. Take a listen to the full interview on Annenberg Radio's Interviews Podcast, Match Volume. Annenberg TV News reporter Stasi Olmos walked the streets of Skid Row with an LAPD officer today to investigate mental health in the area. For the full story, tune in tonight at 6 p.m. at ATVN.org. That's it for today. We had help today from Allison Brett and Rania Niftos. Our board operator is Lexi McAvinci. Martha Daniel is the newscast producer, and the executive producer is Victor Figueroa. For all of us here at Annaberg Radio News, I'm Faith Miller. Mm-hmm.